0: mess up our time together. Um, well, hey everybody, I'm here uh, this afternoon talking to um, professor and author, actually a director of church planning, um, one of my favorite guys, his name is Winfield Bevins, and I, I'm actually holding a copy of his book right here, Ancient Ever, uh, Ever Ancient, Ever New, and, um, and we're going to have some conversation about um, Holy Week, Easter, and, um, and, and how you can have worship at home uh, in this season of displacement uh, and being homebound. Most of us under stay-at-home orders directly from our local governments. Um, so how are you doing today, Winfield?
1: Hey, doing good. Um, it's great to be here with you from home. <laughs> and you're home um, in Kentucky? Yeah, we live in Wilmore, Kentucky, just outside of um, Lexington. And so work here at Asbury Seminary. Yeah, Awesome.
0: One of my favorite uh, undergrad uh, Bible college professors was a seminary grad. His name was Cliff Sanders, solid guy, and uh, really put a love uh, in me for John Wesley and uh, Asbury and inductive Bible study methodology, a lot of that stuff that he learned at Asbury. So welcome.
1: It's good to be here with you.
0: Well, this week is um, t- is typically, or traditionally what is known as Holy Week, um, kind of in in the context of the church. And we are in Thursday of Holy Week, walking quick it feels quickly towards Easter. Um, and in this season where people are um, maybe even feeling stuck at home or staying at home. Uh, to kind of honor uh, what we're being asked to do and, and to try to help uh, flatten the curb. Um, what what I'm seeing is that uh, people are uh, reaching out for, for more. They're reaching out for tools, resources. Uh, they're looking to maximize this time and, and maybe even deepen how they celebrate this uh, Easter season. Um, what would you say to... Um, maybe people out there Winfield that are that find themselves at a loss or maybe even feeling some grief about not being able to join with their uh whole church family in a building this Easter
1: yeah, I think this is kind of a moment for the church to rediscover the power of liturgy and what it does, and um you know in essence, liturgy and tradition this stuff belongs to all of us this is you know I call it kind of opening the treasure chest of church history. And, you know, liturgy, kind of having these liturgies that you can bring into the home, these are tools that, and ways that we can come together as the body of Christ when we're not together corporately. And so there's like rhythms of like morning and evening prayer um, that you can access from the Book of Common Prayer. Um, I've, I've done some resources to kind of simplify these and make them kind of a little more accessible for those that Kind of maybe don't come from liturgical backgrounds but these essentially provide some rhythms during the day throughout the days of the week um, and they're also really powerful ways for people whether you're a single young adult whether you're married or whether you're a part of a family these are ways to come together um, you know the idea is the, the term common prayer is this idea of bringing us together in our prayer life whether we're in a prayer closet we're still praying these rhythms with the body of Christ. Mm. Um, So that's kind of what liturgy does. It connects us with the same thoughts, words, and prayers that millions of other Christians are praying around the world and throughout history. And so this season, as we go into Holy Week, um, we can enter into, in solidarity, rhythms and prayers that millions of other Christians are following these same rhythms and prayers and patterns Um, throughout this season. So I think it can be really powerful for us to kind of see, even though we're quarantined at home, we can still enter into solidarity and communion um, with the larger body of Christ.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting to think about. Um, It it, it seems like that on this week in particular, um, most people that are um, active in a church, they seem to be very willing to use some sort of Holy Week guide, Holy Week devotional, special reading plans, maybe even do things um, like gather palm fronds or, or you know, have a community. So it seems like there's something special about this week already that uh, people are inclined um, to participate in. Would you say there's like a, maybe just a, almost like a pull uh, for participation on Holy Week?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, James K. Smith, you know, said in one of his, he said, you know, humans are liturgical beings. I think there's something in us that we we long for little rituals and routines. You know, we get up and brush your teeth in the morning. Or if you're like me, the first thing I do is I have a cup of coffee. You know, And for me, that's a little liturgy. That's a little ritual that kind of gets me going. And I think um, during Holy Week, Easter, like, I think Christians from all different traditions—they're—they're they're looking for these anchors, they're looking for these little handles, you know, to help them kind of um, go through um, this this profound season of life. Um, mm. For me, a number of years ago, we had planted a very contemporary church, Outer Banks, North Carolina, at you know, Surfing Island community, and a lot of this started with really discovering Good Friday, and um, you know, we kind of did a Stations of the Cross. And it was so impactful because for a lot of Protestants and evangelicals, it's kind of like Easter, you know, you could be preaching through whatever series and then all of a sudden there's Easter and then you go back into the series. Whereas the church calendar really provides this season, like the season of Lent. There's 40 days of kind of fasting, prayer, just really just getting right with the Lord, leading up to Easter. And so Easter, when it comes, has this incredible rich meaning. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of see uh, rediscovering these elements. I think in one way for, it's what a lot of us are longing for. I think people are really longing for this stuff. And I think in the midst of what we're experiencing now as a nation, really is kind of maybe a providential season for the church to rediscover ways to be the church Um, outside of the the huge gatherings, and to be the church in the home. So I I see it as a challenging time, but a profound time for us to really kind of refocus and relearn and rediscover some things that maybe the historic church has to offer.
0: Can I ask you a question about uh, Lent specifically? Because um, since you, you brought it up as being part of kind of the Easter um, season. And so here's here's something I've noticed. I've been in uh, kind of the non-denominational world um most of my life. And uh and as as a as a you know as a little guy, I ne- I like Lent was something only my Catholic family members participated in. And I didn't really have an understanding of it, other than that they didn't, they ate fish on Fridays. Like that was one of the only things yeah. I, I, I just didn't even have um, a frame of reference to understand. It wasn't taught in my church, but I've noticed in the last few years, um, e- not even under my leadership as a pastor, but people within my local church are having Lenten practices, um, times of fasting that why do you think there's been maybe even a resurgence, or it's growing in popularity in non-liturgical, uh, non you know settings? Why why are we seeing Lent kind of on the rise? You yeah, I yeah that?
1: that's that's a big question. I actually wrote a book on that called <laughs> Ever Ancient Ever Name. <laughs> the Allure of Liturgy for a New. You know, what is it about liturgy? What is it about these seasons? What is it about the rhythms and tradition? I think it's a longing for spiritual renewal. I think it's a hunger. I Mm -hmm. think it's, um, it's not a denial of, um, Jesus's, you know, evangelical kind of born again Christianity. It's a fulfillment. It's a longing for all that the church has to offer. I think, you know, many of us, and again, Russ, like myself, I didn't grow up in a liturgical background. Um, I grew up in a kind of non-Denom, came, had a radical conversion experience at 19. Um, this, this is stuff that I, I have discovered over time. And our church was a non-Denom church that kind of went on this path, this journey together. Wow. And um, I, I really think that there's a movement... I call it a movement. I think it's a renewal movement that's happening in the United States where Christians are longing for more. They're tired of pop culture Christianity. They're tired of kind of the smoke machines and the laser light shows, and they're wanting to go deep. Um, They're wanting substance. Um, They want to experience the spirit. They want, you know, you know, don't take away the born again, you know, stuff, but they're They're longing for rhythms and patterns and practices that will take them deeper, so I think one it's a hunger for spiritual renewal, two, I think it's a longing for discipleship rhythm like deeper discipleship yeah. and that's I think what these things offer us um I think the the tradition of the church how has the church made disciples over the centuries, you know. What are the rhythms? What are the practices? And we see these things as we look to, you know, I call it opening the treasure chest of church history. You know, we can, we can draw from this stuff to renew our faith for today. I love that. Um,
0: I, I, I have done a, you know, a Bible reading plan kind of as they're commonly called um, for, for years and um, it's always been something I've kind of like slugged through at times and, and it more of a, you know, check the box, um, uh, part of a discipline, part of my And yet um, a few years ago, our church did uh, something we call year in the word, where we all read through the Bible together and had the, the same reading plan. Yeah. And it was a game changer for me. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was so different then almost like trying to go out and run a marathon on your own uh, yeah, versus joining with the New York marathon. And you just have in this sea of people that are helping pace you and running alongside you and encouraging you along the way. Do you have any like, thoughts on how, uh, maybe how, a, you know, some Christians might go and try to read, um, you know, a five-day devotional or a reading play? Versus um, like a common legendary or churches that would use a corporate like teaching man Is there any as about and some of the tools that you're writing about, passionate about? Is there um, some value to
1: that? Yeah, I think you're naming the you know another kind of element here. The draw is we've in North America had such an individualistic, which is the result of kind of you know kind of our modernist rationalistic kind of worldview that so many people have been raised with. People are longing for these communal corporate, to recover kind of this, this community sense of we're doing this together. Mm. And I think that's what a lectionary or a common reading plan does is these are essentially scriptures that your local church is reading together, but you're joining in um, following kind of this biblical reading plan that millions of other Christians are following as well. And like these little prayers in the Book of Common Prayer or the little, uh, you know, I've got a little prayer book, Field Guide to Prayer that I've put together. These are prayer rhythms that we're joining our prayers with other Christians. And it's not to take away from the individual, you know, maybe you open the Bible, okay, you know, and wow, this word's for me, or you pray spontaneously, or the Holy Spirit leads you in prayer. It's not to take away from that. Um, But it's to add depth and it's to kind of add an anchoring to that. And the way I tell people this stuff, you know, it's not a straight jacket, um, but it's a structure. So reading a corporate reading plan, one, it gives you, you know, some, some guides to go by. But like you said, I love that analogy of running the marathon rather than just by yourself. You're entering, you're joining in with many other people that that are encouraging you on that journey. And I think that's a real helpful thought. Yeah. It's a good I, way to I, look
0: at it. And I think I I think I have that same view uh, you know on Sundays when we gather as a church and we and we share in the Lord's table. And um, yeah. it's one of my favorite moments of every weekend is that I get to serve, you know, our people. I get to and I get to, you know, look into their eyes and and bless them and serve them the body and the blood of Christ. And yet, um, what I find myself reminding our people so often is that you're not taking this meal alone. In fact, you're taking it with, you know, everyone who's here in the room today. Moreover, you're taking it with everyone on, on the earth who's taking it. you part of a picture that's so much bigger than just yourself or just even our church, but it's, it's like global feast that's happening every Sunday. It's um, something really, I just, uh, it's just dynamic. It's, it's a totally different mindset when you, when you share Communion, if you're thinking about how far reaching, you know, the body of Christ really is. Do you have any I mean thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could go real deep with that. You know, the biblical word for remembrance is aminesis, which is this idea of we're remembering a past event that becomes present. It becomes a present reality. And it's um, there's a theological term that's proleptic in in the sense that it's past, present, and future. So when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're joining, one, with those around, you don't do it by yourself, Um, you're joining with your community of faith, but in a very real spiritual sense, you're remembering the Lord's Supper, and you're looking forward to the Last Supper, Uh, and we're joining in the same supper, you know, that all Christians everywhere are celebrating it's the lord's table it's the lord's supper and uh it's just nothing magical to it christ is you know he's omnipresent you know and we when we invite the lord to be present at the table that's what's happening we're joining in this great feast and yeah it's a beautiful mystery um you know we can kind of split theological hairs over it and all of that but i just say man It's a beautiful mystery of the faith that we're joining in with all God's people everywhere as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So, yeah, I love it. It's
0: interesting when you think about uh, that meal being a mystery. And most of the best meals I've ever had in my life, I could not tell you what techniques were used to prepare it. Like, I could not (laughs) explain the recipe that made it so good. And my job is just to enjoy it, just to savor that moment and go, Wow, this is I, exceptional, yeah. so um you know that anyway, I don't know if that's helpful to anybody out there who gets tripped up on some of the hows the how to's um, when it comes to communion, but certainly savoring the meal that's what's important, yeah. you know the elements there. hey, so do you have any kind of last thoughts? I don't want to keep you too long today, but as far as someone who um it may just be out there watching today and thinking okay I, i'm I'm hearing what he's saying. it sounds like some common practices. It sounds like some, some ancient stuff would do me some good. Where do I even begin? Uh, And I'll, and I'll answer part of it for you by saying, man, Winfield's book, huge, huge blessing and, and a journey that I've been on personally. So I'm speaking from some of my journey because I was asking some of those same questions. Where do I even, where do I even begin with it? I feel a pull towards some ancient stuff. I feel a pull towards some shared, Practice stuff, but where do I even begin? What would you say to to people like that out there?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know the daily office, which again, what is the daily office? It's 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 more it's a rhythm of morning and evening prayer is a great place to start. Um, You can find that in the Book of Common Prayer. If you Google or look up online, there are apps that that do this for you. It's called the daily office. Some people call it the liturgy of the hours. I commonly just refer to it as morning and evening prayer because it's kind of a simpler way to, you know, it can get very complex. You know, there's, you know, set prayers for all the different hours of the day. But I think just starting somewhere, Um, you know, if you, uh, you know, I've written several small little prayer books with a publisher called Seedbed. So Seedbed.com, you could kind of Google my name. There's a field guide to daily prayer um, that just has the morning and evening prayer that's kind of real simplified. There's even a family version of that. I think that's a real passion I've got too, is saying, hey, these tools, these these historic rhythms can be an incredible blessing for families right now Mm. that are looking for how do they bring their faith into the home. I've got another little book called Grow at Home. I've actually got it right here um, with Seedbed that is just full of stuff for families for how do we worship together in the home? How do we read the Bible together? Um, How do we follow Jesus through the church year? So if you're wondering what is the church calendar, Lent, and how do I have Easter? What are practices that I can adopt during these um, seasons? This is a little 120-something page book that is really designed to really introduce families to simple things. And then the book that you'll mention, Ever Ancient, Ever New, is more of kind of a broad overview of this movement of people, hundreds, thousands. um, I've documented hundreds, I've interviewed hundreds of young adults that are embracing tradition and Mm -hmm. looking at these rhythms. But if you look on the larger scale, um, I think there are thousands, um, maybe millions across the US that are on this journey as well. And that was the neat thing for me, Rusty, in closing was as I was on this journey, at first, I felt like I was alone. Like, am I, am I the only person that's looking to church history for tools and research? And what I've found is over the last decade is, I mean, a movement of people all across the U.S. And I think that's what's fascinating about the book. Cross-denominational, it's not about a denomination or one particular tradition, but it's about a hunger for renewal. It's about a hunger for roots. And it's about a hunger for a a faith that is deep and ancient and wide that will help us navigate, um, the challenges, the struggles of kind of the 21st century where we find our, our, our self today. I think that there are a lot of answers that the historic church has for us. Hmm. Wow. Well, thank
0: you for coming on with us uh, today. And, um, and I, I'm, I mean, for whatever it counts for, I I have um, I actually have every single book that Winfield talked about in today's video, and we use them at night uh, with our kids. We do the Little Green Book, the Prayer Book, with our kids, and um, there's something that is um, incredibly—I don't even know if I have words for—hearing a nine-year-old pray uh, Mm -hmm. a prayer, a liturgical prayer for everyone that she knows that's sick or in good health and praying for God's protection. I mean, she covers everybody with that keep Mm. watch dear Lord prayer. And it, and it is so uh, incredible to hear my seven year old open us in family prayer with the Mm. Lord's prayer, And she has it memorized. And sometimes she says it as fast as humanly possible and it's (laughs) unintelligible how quickly she could say it. Um, but it, there's something that's so cool with as a family doing this stuff together. And I think uh, the reason I wanted to have you on today is because in a time where we're all at home with kid, many of us with kids under 10 years old and thinking, I don't have a children's ministry to, like, send them to. yeah, uh, uh, um, Like, their spiritual formation, their spiritual life is now in my hands. And yeah. the reality is, it probably always was. The reality was, it, it, it probably always was. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. I, for, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no. Thanks for sharing that. I, I think I think that's it. Is is this is a season to rediscover um, the little church, the domestic church. Um, Saint John Chrysostom, you know, said that the family is indeed a little church and. Uh, that's exactly it. I think I think the Lord wants us to rediscover that. And these little rhythms um, can can help us bring that faith into the home. Wow. So I love it.
0: Thank you. And uh, and we'll go ahead and stop our live stream and our recording now. But thank you so much. Check out winfieldbevins.com, right? Dot com? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, for all of his resources. And as you're sitting at home, they'll deliver it right to your house. And so... God's peace on this Holy week. Thanks,
1: Winfield. Amen. Thank you.